0: Dave, from from the way you're describing your regular day, I'm just glad that Skype doesn't transmit smell.
1: (laughs) I'm always glad of that.
0: (laughs) This episode is sponsored by railsthemes.com. Have a website only a mother could love? Then you need a theme. Go to railsthemes.com and sign up for early access, and when they release, you'll be able to check out and use their themes on your Rails app. This podcast is sponsored by New Relic. To track and optimize your application's performance, go to rubyrogues.com slash new relic. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 54 of the Ruby Rogues podcast. This week on our panel, we have Avdi Grimm. Hello from Pennsylvania. We have David Brady
2: good morning anybody who did not bring their programming gear
3: will program in their pants or skirts
0: jeez. we also have james edward gray
3: i'm still puzzling over what david brady just said by the way i completely um, screwed that up yeah (laughs) i'm glad um i am allowed to be on the show today by josh because i do not live in north carolina and i use spaces instead of tabs
0: okay and we also have josh susser
3: Uh,
1: Yeah, hi from uh, Pennsylvania by way of San Francisco. Okay, (laughs) did that work? I don't know. (laughs) But but I figure
3: after after David's
1: fumble, I can get away
2: with anything. This is this is gonna be like the blooper episode. Have
3: we derailed the show at the (laughs) introduction?
0: Yeah, the last ten minutes is gonna be go. Yeah, the last ten minutes is gonna be bloop, and then it's gonna be Josh talking, and then bloop, and then it's gonna be Dave talking. Yeah, I'm Charles Maxwood from TeachMeToCode.com, and uh, this week we are talking about coding exercises, quizzes, kata's, what have you.
3: I wish I knew something about that.
0: I know, me too. Of course, all it really earns you is somebody like David coming and yelling at you
3: <laughs> repeatedly. <laughs> can I tell my favorite David story if it's related to coding exercises?
0: <laughs> <code laughs> yeah, I guess you can.
3: I want. I will. I want to know what your
2: favorite
1: David story is, anyway. Does it have something to do with a 300-line C program written in
3: Ruby? <laughs> yep, it does. It does. <laughs> so, so basically, uh, David and I had not met yet, and we both show up at Lone Star RubyConf, and he finds my wife and asks to meet me, which is a whole nother funny story, but that one's hers to tell. Um, and when he comes up to me, he starts the conversation with, you probably don't remember me, but... Uh, A while ago, I posted this solution to the Ruby quiz, which you just tore apart line by line as C written in Ruby or whatever. And I'm thinking, great, this guy's gonna knife me at a (laughs) conference. He was he was visibly recoiling. It was yeah.
0: You, You don't have the force field upgrade on your wheelchair.
3: I need that. I didn't know I'd run into hostile people. I, I
2: didn't I didn't realize I was coming on so strong until I realized that you were literally flinching back from from the, you know. I was
3: like, I'm sorry, man, your code was amazing. But,
2: well, so so you have to tell the rest of the story, which is the next when the next thing I said, which was, and it's the best thing anyone's ever done for me.
3: Yeah, that is true. That's what you said next. <laughs> I, th-
1: I thought this was going in the direction of the pair programming hygiene conversation. <laughs> no, he smelled okay.
2: Oh, my I just killed my audio again.
1: I-,
0: I love you like a brother, but you make my eyes water. Yeah, that's quite right. the conversation to have. So,
3: okay, so what is all this code exercise-y stuff for? Um, so
0: I, c- I can tell you how this topic got into the list because I actually got an email from somebody that has the what is it, Ruby Q or barbecue something Ruby.
3: Oh, yeah, the new Ruby. I know what you're talking about. I think we all got the same email about the new Ruby challenge site kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and he was saying, what do you think? And I said, "Um, I love my listeners, and I will go spend a couple minutes looking at it, but I don't know if I can give you an honest opinion because I am very busy. Um, But anyway, I I also told him to put it into the list, um, you know, the topic so that, you know, we could bring it up. And so he did, and then he rallied a whole bunch of people to come and vote for it. And I think other people just wanted to hear it anyway. So anyway, that's how it got into the list. I think it is an interesting topic because, you know, we talk a lot about becoming better at what we do, and I think practice is a good idea. So
3: So yeah, that's why you do it, right? It's a practice thing. So, so let's talk about that. I mean, like, what practice tactics do the five of you use? Let's go around the table on that.
0: All right, we're going to make Josh start.
4: I'm trying oh. to imagine a table.
3: That was yeah. so
1: awesome. <laughs> right. Yeah. F- first challenge: create your virtual uh, playing field. Cool. <laughs> the, uh, <You> must <clears throat> first
2: run migrations.
1: Right. So, okay. So I I'm kind of terrible when it comes to code kata things like that.
3: Take him off the call. Yeah. Well,
1: <laughs> well no, I, 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 I can be the um the proof by counterexample. Ah. Hmm. So wh- when I run into uh, something new that I want to want to learn, I I always try and uh, play around with it in the context of building something real or something useful, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's that's kind of counter to the whole idea of doing kata to stay in shape and to keep yourself limber, etc. But um, I I I don't know. I, I think uh, wearing my old fart hat, I can say I've you know I've spent the last couple decades doing all that kind of stuff, so I've gotten to the point where. Uh, you know, I don't need to do that stuff as frequently as I did when I was younger. I I do remember, uh, you know, a time in my career and in my development as a developer that I would I would noodle around with things just for the hell of it a lot more. But mm-hmm. um, I I seem to have lost patience for that, which is kind of may, maybe this conversation will get me reinvigorated for that. So I, I'm your challenge, guys.
0: I think I just I, heard Josh say, "Practice makes perfect," and I'm nearly there.
3: That's what I thought. Yeah, I'm so good. I don't need it. I love <laughs> that
1: you guys get me.
2: <laughs> I love the. I, I was reminded of the scene from Karate Kid where they're walking through the airport and there's the picture of the guy breaking the giant log in half. And he tur- Ralph turns to Mr. Miyagi and says, can you do that? And he says, don't know. Never been attacked by treat. tree.
1: Yep. i am not the mr miyagi of this group
3: (laughs) (laughs) all right so david obviously we know that you have at least in the past once before i ran you off done the ruby quiz
2: (laughs) so i i just love to play um it, it, it's we learn by playing, and we we we've, we talk about how children learn by playing. Well, guess what? Adults do too, and I think programmers are just one of the the few groups that are lucky enough to have figured it out that the way you learn and grow is by playing with things. And I I would consider what Josh does to still be this kind of code kata. And I think maybe maybe Uncle Bob would probably disagree with me because a kata is to you know to do this pointless thing as though it had a point, and um, I don't like that definition of a kata. Um, for me, a coding, ex- in fact, I, actually, I'm going to stop using the word kata because like coding exercise, uh, my favorite way to learn something new is to convince my employer that we need to deploy it um, because then I get to play around with it and I get to have that panicked you know, all-night hack session to try and make it work so that we can hit a ship date.
1: Plus you get paid for it.
2: And you get paid for it. Yeah, it's like getting paid to go to school instead of paying the other way around. Yeah, but um, you don't
0: get paid for those all-night hack sessions because you're on salary
2: no, that's true. Yeah, usually,
1: usually whenever that's yeah, paid salary. Yeah, Josh, are
3: you in a startup? You don't get paid either, right? Well, I get paid as much
1: for that as I do for everything else I do. <laughs> ah, okay. yeah,
3: just so we clear that yeah. up.
2: Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I I did the Ruby quiz because I was uh, really struggling with Ruby uh, when I first got into it, and I remember. Uh, talking with James about the Ruby quiz and James you said you know these are things that you should be able to do in about an hour and I was like uh, no these take me six to eight hours every single time and um, I remember like James I remember you being startled like no these should not take you that long and and I might have the the ordering i like time machine out of order because um, it was it was when you wrote that rewrote that program for me that in idiomatic Ruby that I started realizing why these things were taking me six to eight hours because I was just not doing them the right way. Um, so I don't know the, the the just the thing about coding exercises is is play with things and if you if you find yourself in a state of play then you can be at work you can be doing a code kata you can be noodling around you can be trying to ship something critical. And it counts towards what I consider to be coding exercises. Uh, I've got some stuff that I want to talk about on the show about, you know, like deliberately, consciously screwing around. Um, But as long as people come away with this with an idea of you should be playing and having fun, that's some of the best career advice I ever got very early on was a programmer turned to me and he said, dude, if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. And that's my approach to coding examples and and katas and everything.
0: All right. What about you, James? I mean, you ran Ruby Quiz. Do you still do the katas and exercises and stuff?
3: So I guess I am getting older like Josh. And uh, though I'm not as old as Josh, I feel compelled to point out. Um, Well, well, nobody is, right? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I, I do do them less. I will admit that I don't do them as often as I once did. I do do them though um, and a lot uh, for me a lot of times it's um, just playing around uh, I, I you know I'll, I'll see something new Ruby motion or whatever and then I just want to play with that you know and I'll sit down and do something I do try to I do try to do something fairly pointless <laughs> I do try to do something that you know isn't something I'll do in my job or something like that because uh, I do that all the time in my job, and so I get lots of practice with that, but I don't get lots of practice, you know, firing up DRB servers and using them for strange purposes or, you know, building iPhone apps or, or things like that. Um, and so I, I try to do those things because I find that in messing around with those things I get bet, uh, more new ideas, which is what I'm trying to get out of it, right? so. Then when I come back and am doing my work, I have new ideas in my head about um, uh, things I can try or whatever. Um, And my favorite problems are the ones where I I read it and I'm like, that's so easy. I have 10 minutes, you know, and then, you know, three hours later, I'm sitting there trying to solve that stupid problem. Those are my favorites where I just get sucked in and and not realize uh, that the problem actually had teeth. Uh, the,
1: you, you, James, you know what my favorite um, playing field for doing that sort of exercise is? What's that? Ruby on Rails open source, the, I mean, like the, the project itself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a, yeah okay. If you want a good time, just dive into the routing code.
3: Yeah, that's actually a, a really great point because I wrote an article recently uh, where I did patch Rails to fix something that bugged me, and I thought, oh, this is going to be so easy. I know exactly where it is and all that. Huh. I went in there and tried to find the test for it and everything. Yeah. That was like half a day. You know, so.
1: yeah. 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 Every, every, when I'm bored and I want to, um, I want to do a pointless exercise. I try and hack on the migration code in Ruby on rails. Yep,
0: <laughs> exercise and futility right there.
1: huh? <laughs> yeah. Thank you.
3: <laughs>
2: if but you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. <laughs>
3: I do agree with David a lot about the, um, about the having fun thing. like, to me, you know, programming is hard. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I struggle, you know, like sometimes and, and uh, you know, you have, to, you have to have that great mindset for it that you're solving problems and you're taking these challenges and you're tackling things and having fun. So. And I mean, seriously, like, you know, how many people have to practice their job? You know, I mean, if you're a cashier at Seven Eleven, you don't go home that night and take money from your family for dinner, you know, or whatever. That's a good idea. <laughs> well, okay, maybe you should. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, how many people have to practice their job because they need so many ideas? But the problem is with programming, right? You can get net deep and get overwhelmed, right? And we're always trying to minimize that with all the practices we do, right? Yeah, Taking I, baby steps through test driven development or practicing things through code katas and stuff. We're always trying to prepare ourselves for that that moment when we're we're in over our head, you know?
1: Well I I think that there are other creative professions where people do something similar. I, I think writers are always like noodling around know, ideas point. and and my artist friends are always sketching. Mm-hmm
0: full of musicians and stuff they they do the same thing right
3: i agree and even even scientists right if you look at scientists like a lot of times they're famous for their big breakthrough like charles darwin's famous for you know uh the origin of the species um but if you go back and read his notes before origin of species he had all the pieces for evolution actually for a couple of years before that he just hadn't put it all together you know, right? So, in all his noodling around, he eventually has his big breakthrough, right? So, I think that's true, and and that's just like what we're doing, right? Is preparing, rehearsing, getting ready for performance time, which is production code.
0: Yep. So, Avdi, what kind of uh, code practice or code exercises do you do?
4: So, um, I've been uh, thinking about this because I don't do a lot of. Um, sort of deliberate, uh, practice on my own. And, um, but, but something that I've found is that when I'm, um, when I'm teaching somebody else, it can turn into a kind of a kata for myself as well. Um, I was recently visiting, um, you know, visiting another consultancy to, to work with them and, and pair with them and, and share knowledge and stuff. And, um, I found myself sitting down with people and, Going through refactorings in kind of the classic um, pedantic fashion, where we would, you know, try to keep, basically, you know, do one single thing at a time and try to keep the tests passing at all times. Make sure that you know, copy the copy the text instead of cutting the text, so that so that you know, e- there's a little bit of of duplication in the middle of the refactoring, but that but it means that you don't lose your uh, lose your place or get into a state where uh, where it's not working um, and uh, like you know these are all the steps that you'll find if you actually like look into the Ruby refactoring book and, and look at the you know extract method or whatever whatever um, but there are steps that I often cut corners on um, but when I was showing somebody else how to do that like the the classic way for the first time um, I uh, you know I, I realized I was sort of walking myself through it as well and uh, so I think that's, for me, that is maybe the biggest thing that I do is I, I work with other people. you know, I also do open, open source pairing sessions where, where I'll just do some remote pairing with someone on some, on some project. And if they haven't done something like that before, you know, I'll, I'll walk them through it. And, and uh, it really helps me to remind myself of, of these disciplines.
0: Right. That makes a lot of sense. One other thing that, that I
3: actually- just... Kind of an aha moment for me when I realized that the whole point of the refactoring is that that at every step the code is not broken, you know. Yeah. I I like went years like not realizing that, not getting that, you know.
0: Yeah. One thing that I want to observe a little bit about um, about you, Avdi, is that it seems like when you're writing a book. You, you do a lot of experimentation too to figure out what's there and, and what you know what whatever it is that you're writing about is capable of and so that's
4: true I mean yeah I guess for me well, writing both blog posts and and books it's um, it's definitely a discipline in itself because I do uh, try to you know I, I try to have all working code in them
0: right that makes sense
1: oh, okay so, so here's here's something that I, I've been thinking about this since I since I uh, admitted that I don't do much in the way of quizzes or Kata, uh, th- I think what it is is um, a matter of what captures my attention. And usually, if I, you know, I, I actually played around with the Ruby quiz for a while while when it was running, but I don't think I ever got to the point where I got a solution that I felt was good enough to submit. I would just like look at it and say, oh, yeah, this looks like kind of an interesting problem, but I don't really feel compelled to put the amount of effort into it to get a good solution. And that, but I realized that when I'm doing coding on a real application, I have a lot of interest in exploring the space and figuring things out and actually trying new things out. I tweeted a couple days ago that my... I, I'm, I'm trying to take on uh, Dan Cub's uh, and, uh, and James' uh, admonishment of treating all code as experimental. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, I, I, I really like the presentation that... James did in our talk at RailsConf for our session there about experimentation being really important. So I've been doing that in my code more intentionally and the experiment that I'm doing right now is around getting rid of all of my constant declarations in my in my Ruby classes and replacing them with methods that return the constant value and the point of that is to make testing easier because sometimes you want to be changing these things and it's much harder to deal with replacing a constant definition in a temporary way within a, just one test case.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But,
1: but stubbing out a method that returns that, quote, constant, unquote, uh, is much easier. So I'm, I'm trying that experiment in my code, and it, and it feels to me the same way that approaching something like uh, a Ruby quiz or a code kata is. It's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm trying something out. It's something that's not going to kill my application if it screws up. But it's definitely uh, making a stretch to take on some new approach to doing something in a consistent way. It's kind of cool, yeah.
3: too, right? Because now uh, constants are subject to inheritance, so you can actually like subclass and override or something. Oh
1: my yeah, there, so i'm I'm looking forward to writing this up because i'm I'm actually learning a fair amount from this experiment and and yeah, so i i I think that the motivation of trying to tackle a real problem and something that just landed in front of my face while I was in the midst of doing my job. Um, I find that really engaging in a way that I don't find just doing some you know, uh, intellectual problem solving that somebody put up on a website or passed around in an email mm-hmm. uh, doesn't yeah. engage. Me.
0: I, I want to jump in here because uh, well, I haven't talked about what I do for practice, but that's essentially okay. what I, I do a lot of is. You know, I find some project that I really want to see, you know, see through and then um, I start working on it. So, I mean, that's why I started writing an ORM um, was because it was an interesting project, something that I wanted to get done. And it actually does something. I mean, at the end, if if you can connect to Cassandra and, you know, write and pull data and do all of the other cool stuff that you may want to do with that data, then, you know, that works out. And, um, you know, I've also been building... Um, a website that's just kind of a personal project. Um, hopefully, I'll have it launched here within the next few weeks. Um, but basically, you know, that that's what I do, just to kind of practice and and noodle around and stuff. And because it's my own project, it's not a client project. It's not something I'm getting paid for. I don't I don't feel like I'm under the same constraints to just you know stick to what I know and um, you know because if if I go off into a rat hole for on one of my client projects. If, if it pays off in a big way, then I don't mind getting paid for it. But if I'm just, you know, doing something because I'm curious on their project, I don't feel like that's fair to do that on their dime. So doing my own project kind of opens that up. I haven't actually done any of the exercises or quizzes or katas for a while, um, with the possible exception of the last uh, code retreat that I went to. So
3: I... Here, there's an interesting you know dichotomy here about like some of us are talking about how like we like to do real things and some of us are talking about how we don't i i will say some things i've noticed like when i'm doing not real things like one of the things i love to do is the international conference on functional programming has a contest every year this year i think it's in the middle of july
1: you um, i think you but, picked that for one of one of your picks one day
3: right yeah i've picked it in the past and it's a uh, it's a seventy-two-hour programming contest, and they usually they publish the the um, you know spec, and it's generally like you know twelve to twenty pages printed, you know, of whatever you're building, and, and uh, you know it varies every year of of what it is. It's always run by some university. Lots of hackers compete, and even though the name says it's you know for functional programming. They're really cool, and they they let you use whatever you want. So you know, I, I typically play in Ruby or, or whatever. Um, but uh, the the challenge is it's 72 hours on some hard thing. Usually involves some intense algorithms or whatever. And, and I'll tell you that every year when I do that, I use a whole bunch of things that I never ever use in my day job. Right? Like you know, intense algorithm programming. You know. You know, uh, figuring out how to speed things up, you know, uh, stuff like that. A lot of times, uh, in my spare time, I'll play around with game servers because I love games, and someday I hope to be, you know, like running games on the internet, and be wildly rich that way. Um, that's my lifelong dream, by the way. Uh, and so, the I, I play with game servers and stuff like that, so I know server technology really well, and and. So, anyways, I'll find that in my job, I I basically never use that. But once in a while, it it will come down to something, and I'll be like, hey, I know how to do this because, you know, like recently we had this API that was terrible, and you had to send it like these uh, requests in chunks. So, like 500 requests. Well, it turned out that uh, they changed the API, and now if one of the requests was bad, and it was hard to tell what made it bad, um, then uh, it would just throw away the entire packet. So you lost 500 requests, right? But the thing was a black box. It wouldn't tell you what was bad. It wouldn't tell you why it was throwing it away. So I wrote a binary search algorithm that just uh, fired the whole set. And then if it threw it away, I cut it in half and and kept doing that in requests so that I could find the, the bad entries. You know? so. hmm. Some, sometimes having those skills does come in handy, but I admit mm-hmm. that it's not very often.
2: For me, it's it, it comes down to, um, like having a rusty shiv in your back pocket, and and it's like, why would you know? Why would you want to learn these horrible programming techniques? And I'm like, well, you know, if it's three o'clock in the morning and you're trapped in a blind alley with some really nasty code, do you want to have a rusty shiv in your back pocket, or do you want to be barehanded? And you know, th- those, those kind of you know, horrible things are actually really useful at times. And that's, yeah, I don't know. I, I, for me, the essence of play that we talked, Josh talked about prudence in on his, his RailsConf talk. And, and I think it, there's, there's a little bit of less pressure to be prudent. You're allowed to fail. You're allowed to do something just stupid and wrong uh, when, you're, when you're playing with code. Or, uh, and when you're doing a cut. And and, and I guess they, they we maybe have to distinguish between play and the the concept of perfect practice where, right, you know, like I, I'm going to write code today and I'm going to do everything relentlessly test-driven and it's going to be red-green refactor and we're going to refactor red, you know, and, and, and that's more perfect practice where you're trying to do a very specific set of things to build a like a habit and then there's like this exp- exploration where it's just let's go try this new concept so we might want to distinguish between those two concepts
3: yeah that's a good point I, every now and then I'll, I'll be like oh i have this idea for this most brilliant library every and i'll sit down and write it you know and then i get to like the ninety percent complete mark and realize that one of my opening premises is horribly flawed
1: right, <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, okay. So, so David you keep using the uh, the concept of play yeah in, in in your discussion here and you know I've you know we all do pair programming to some extent or another I real, I've been thinking about how I do uh, the equivalent of quizzes and katas and things like that you know, you know playful exploration of mm-hmm. learning code in a pairing context yeah and, and that's actually something that I do a fair amount mm-hmm Uh, You know, I'll be on a project and, you know, something will come up and we'll be like, oh, we want to do, you know, we want to be able to upload user photos and, oh, let's go use Paperclip. Oh, well, there's this other thing that we could try out. What is it? Like Carrier Wave. Carrier Wave. Yeah. Let's Mm -hmm. go check that out. And we'll, you know, invest a little time. Usually we'll time box it and say, oh, let's give ourselves a half hour to check this out and see if we want to. You know, use uh, use it on our project, or let's mm-hmm. give it an hour, or or a half a day, or whatever. You know, depending on how complicated it is, yeah. and we'll just you know create a branch and sit down and play around with the code. And at the end of the time, we'll decide if we want to keep working on it or throw away the branch or what have you. Mm-hmm. And and that's often uh, that's often the way that I will approach new stuff rather than uh, it, you know going and you know doing that on my own solo time because I mm-hmm. I tend to think of my my software, my uh, my learning process around you know, software and and uh, you know new technologies in that context. So I, I think the, and and play mm-hmm. for me is a very social thing.
2: Yeah. So so basically, I I just realized what you might be saying is that agile has a has a term for play that is acceptable to our managers, and that is uh, time boxed spike iteration.
1: <laughs> That's a mouthful. Yeah. But but you can't
2: say play because you know your manager doesn't want to hear that you're playing around.
1: Oh, I've told that to my manager. It's like, where do you know? Oh, we're playing around with this new uh, library. Oh, I'm okay, gonna, but, but you, with you something. guys,
3: you, you say we're we're compiling, right? When you're <laughs> <running> <laughs> <trying to laughs> test, we're compiling
1: Yeah, cross out insert running integration tests. Mm, integration right, test. right,
3: right. Yeah,
0: yeah another yeah. another recent but not necessarily as valid one is the bundle install that used to take forever.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> Yeah, but now they're getting that so much faster. Damn it!
1: I know. <laughs> so I have no how else will anymore. we find time? How else will we find time for lightsaber duels? <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> you know that you have- both Josh and Avdi have kind of hit on this with the pairing, and then Avdi talking about how he, he likes to play around when he's teaching. Um, the uh, it it is a really important that uh, to learn that you do learn so much when you teach other people. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't overstate that. Like, uh, I ran the Ruby quiz for three years, which was basically a, you know, learn from and teach each other experiment, you know, for three years. And the amount of Ruby I learned in that time is staggering. Mm
2: -hmm. You know,
3: Uh, every week I had to read through the solutions that people sent in figure them out enough so I could decide if I wanted to talk about that one or not, you know, and Mm -hmm. just doing that, you know, especially when every now and then people would write a, 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 you know, a bit of code that took me a while to, you know, really get my head around. When I did, it was a major aha moment, you know, Mm -hmm. and then, and then I wanted to try to present that in a way that people reading the summary would get that aha moment, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's, very difficult, but I learned a, a, just a phenomenal amount of Ruby doing that. So I, I have to agree that teaching is just an amazing way to learn.
0: So I, I want to go off on uh, two different questions here. One real quick. Um, what what other coding exercise quiz kata websites are there that kind of list the different, uh, you know, that give you a set of quizzes or exercises to do? We, we talked about Ruby Quiz. I've done Project Euler
2: hmm There's uh, Ruby cones, uh, which is spelled Ruby Koans, but and I've been saying Koans, but I guess it's cones. Um, but if you save cones, people are gonna type C O N E S and that's I it's actually it's, I,
3: I thought it was Cohen's, but I maybe Cohen's,
2: yeah. So yeah, anyway, it's K O A N S, Ruby ko- Ruby anyway, Ruby thingies. Um <laughs> yeah, I've, I've,
1: I'm from Pittsburgh, so we call it Coans.
2: Coans. Um, nice. And then there's uh, puzzle node, and that's the Ruby Mendicant one.
3: These are all really different. Um, like you really should play yeah. around with like a problem off of each of them. Like for mm-hmm. example, the one he just mentioned, uh, puzzle node, um, mm-hmm. is kind of neat in that they give you the uh, inputs basically. Like we're gonna shove this data into your program, and then we expect to get this output, right? So mm-hmm. you can actually like check it. But then, when you, then you submit your code, and they actually hit it with a different input, right? Mm-hmm. Not the one, uh, or, or no, you don't submit your code. They give you, that. that's what it is, I'm sorry, let me respl- explain. They give you an input and a matching output, and so you can like run that through mm-hmm. and check. Then they give you a second input without mm-hmm. the matching output, and yeah. you take that output and put it right. in. And, and you get basically a thumbs up or a thumbs down, it, which it, it's kind of good and bad. It, it's good in that uh, it gives you the inputs and you can run it through. The bad part is the thumbs up, thumbs down isn't always super helpful. You know, like when you give them mm-hmm. 10 pages of data and it's like, no, you know, like, hey, where did I make the mistake? You know, mm-hmm. but I, I will say that's made me do some creative things like. There's a chess problem on there, which is actually quite a doozy, Uh, and takes a lot longer than you think, but Mm -hmm. uh, you have to do all these chess moves, and you're validating these moves, and so when I got the thumbs down from the site, and it it was like, okay, well, I've given them, you know, a gazillion moves. I have no idea which one or two I'm getting wrong, so I actually built a visualizer so that I could just show (laughs) myself all the moves. And then you know, it, as a tournament chess player, it's nothing for me to just scan through them and say right, 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 wrong. You know? so, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That's, a, that's awesome. That's cool. the, uh, okay, so I have a I have a very non standard uh, quiz site that I like, and that's NPR's Sunday Puzzle. Oh, I and, love
0: that. They they have a so, the podcast so, that you can listen to, and yeah, yeah, well, they,
1: yeah, or. Yeah, I, I for years and years I would listen to that every Sunday morning and I would uh, I would hear the problems and a lot of the problems were things that you could solve with very clever programming or even not so clever programming and uh, for a while I was I was solving them in small talk because it's such a great language for uh, ad hoc stuff like that but but then I started doing them in Ruby for a while and and I think that that kind of puzzle. Where it's much more freeform and it's not—it's uh, not about oh here here's the muscle I want you to work on. It's okay now you have to fight three guys with swords, then you know, you know figure out how you're going to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so may- maybe that would be like a cool uh, Ru- uh, Ruby quiz site uh, evolution of throwing people word problems or puzzles that mm-hmm. have no constraints on how the how you're going to approach it in in programming. Just you know, here's a here's a puzzler. Write some code to come up with the solution.
2: So I bought a book of uh, grade school logic puzzles. You know the kinds like it's like it's just a, a little. It's like
1: syllogisms or something. Syllogisms. No,
2: no, it's like a it's it's like a three inch by three inch book. It's a little tiny one, and on each one there's like a there's like a logic puzzle or a a math you know math puzzle. Or, you know, like a word search and that kind of thing. And I bought it with the explicit uh, goal of solving every single uh, problem in the book with a program. Even even if I could solve it in my head just by looking at it. And, like, the, the, the very first problem um, was, like, a like a word association problem and i'm like oh great i have to conquer the entire field of of uh... natural language processing in order to solve this problem okay so the book is still on the shelf and i i haven't done very many of the problems <laughs> in it um, but i i do that like when when i'm flying out to san francisco or flying home um, i will occasionally open to the sunday funnies page and like the, the the sudoku or the whatever you know if they've got a logic or a math problem I will. I will sometimes try to figure out a way to, to grapple with that in code. I, th- I think that's that's a fantastic. You know, pick a real problem and try and solve solve it, no matter how contrived the real problem is.
0: I never really thought about approaching some of those problems that way. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the of NPR Sunday Puzzle, but it never occurred to me to actually write a program that would solve it for me.
1: Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's great on on the Mac. I don't know how many people are aware of this or not, but there's a file that contains the every word in. Webster's Dictionary. Uh-huh. Really? And yeah, yeah, it's it's just sitting there in like user share dict uh, uh, words. Like that. Yeah. yeah, 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 and um, That's on Linux too. Yeah, it, yeah, so, some clever person got that into Unix years ago, and it's there. So there's a whole bunch of those word problems that mm-hmm. Will Shorts gives you that you can solve just by clever grepping and a little mm-hmm. and a little Ruby code. Mm-hmm. yeah wow. I,
3: i've actually been like reading a book in the past and they there's like clues in the book about what's going on and, uh, and and i i knew i had enough information to solve the problem but i couldn't do it in my head so i sat down and wrote a program to do it you know? mm-hmm.
2: i was uh... The, there's a an ios game called bookworm or no it's a web, it's a, a web game called bookworm um, it's out there in bookworm two and bookworm three now but um, i actually yeah i wrote a program to basically i would key in all of the letters that i had on the board and it would go find in bookworm you just get points for the longest word that you can spell and so it would take the anagram and go through the dictionary in on the computer and find the longest possible word and so um, liz and i were both playing bookworm you know side by side and you know she'd be puzzling through and you know counting letters and I would sit here and type and then I would come back and I would just key in metallurgy, you know, and score <laughs> like 15,000 points, you know, Zymergist, you know, another 15,000 points. And she's like, how the hell are you doing that? I'm like, I'm, I'm, I let the computer do the work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing.
3: That's so sad. <laughs> it's
2: uh, oh, I, so uh, I believe that cheating at games is an entire. I believe that's metagaming. It's it's there's a whole
3: cheat um, to win. Cheat to win.
2: win. That's right. <laughs> so it yeah, those are fun. So so I have a question, and I, I'm actually want well, I, I want to throw this one out to the listeners because I I think we would be shortchanging them if we end this podcast without throwing out some kind of challenge or a question. Um, what do you guys uh, think about like the pointlessly stupid ones, like the like like where you you're given a constraint, um, like uh, like writing a Ruby quine, and 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 uh, we probably we probably got to have people look at the uh, Q lobe, um, which is the most beautiful quine ever written. Um, uh, but but what do you think about like uh, like? Coding challenges where, like, you know, write some code that fits into a single tweet, and and there's no constraints. It doesn't, you know, it, you can you can do anything you want with it. Um, just what's the most interesting thing you can do in that amount of space, or what's the most obfuscated thing you can do? What do you guys think about those type of? Are they purely esoteric? Are they do they have any value? What do you think?
3: So my opinion is that they do have value. Like, mm-hmm. I came from pearls culture before Ruby's and mm-hmm. of course pearl guys are obsessed with golf golf yeah whereas ruby ruby guys tend to hate golf which is kind of an interesting thing but can can you
2: define golf for the two listeners that don't know what what it means
3: sure it's the uh... process of solving a problem in the shortest strokes where strokes in this context is keystrokes right Mm -hmm. so uh... you have to uh... you know it it really forces you to go down to uh, uh... like for example, Ruby has all those horrible global variables, you mm-hmm. know. But uh, those are great for golfing because mm-hmm. they're short, right? You've got mm-hmm. like uh, I think it's dollar sign greater than is standard out, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you can you can do that without typing stdoud, you know. Yep. Um, so. Things like that it it forces you to learn a lot of intricacies of the of the language, in my opinion, and that's why I think it's valuable, right? Mm -hmm. Or turning some feature off, you know, solve this problem, but don't use that feature, you know, that that's typically used to solve that problem. Then you can kind of get an idea of all the work that that feature is doing for you, right? And it makes you appreciate and understand that process better in my
0: opinion that or it makes you bend your mind around a different feature in the language or library that you're using and you know that may come in handy later on solving a different problem
3: Mm -hmm. right again i'm not sure how often the knowledge comes in handy but it's there in my brain someday to be unleashed
1: james do you think that okay there's two sides to coding one is writing code but the other is reading code and it, it seems like a lot of the uh, stretching of your limits that one does in, in these sort of, quote, pointless adventures uh, just makes you more familiar with other things, uh-huh. so that, so that when, you're, when you're reading code, you might have a better understanding of things.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I can read pretty much anything in Ruby because I've mucked around with the most horrible parts of it, you know. <laughs> if, you, if you go through the encoding engine and come out the other side alive, you're set, you know. But, <laughs> um, but the, yeah, it's, it's about that, and, and, and kind of in a sad way, right, is that, you know, most of these features you don't use because they do impair readability so bad right? Mm-hmm. Um, and usually that's the number one goal, right, is to keep everything readable and understandable. But mm-hmm. there are circumstances where you just can't get around something or, you know, readability is important, but in this one case, we needed to go that much faster, you know, mm-hmm. or something like that. There's, there's, you know, you get good knowing when to obey the rules. You get great knowing when to break the rules.
2: Right? Yeah. So one well, of I think the, the- the the hash dot inject you've been, you, you've seen this right where you you do hash dot inject and then you you have an inject function that returns hash by and you don't have to write that horrible inject statement. But we don't for, need the
3: inject in Ruby anymore either. As of right. Ruby 1.9, nine, you have each with object. Right. And that right. one will will carry an object forward without forcing you to do something gross with the returning value.
2: Yeah. Which is which is fantastic, but for like a year or two in Ruby one eight, that was slowly gaining ground as an idiom, and it's horrible. It's really hard to read until you played around with it and you go, "Oh, okay, I get what's going on here. That makes sense."
1: Mm-hmm. I yep. one, back in the day when I was uh, when I w- was misguided enough to give people programming quizzes in the midst of interviews. Uh, one of my uh, one of my killer interview questions was: take all of the innumerable ECT methods, you know, in, in, you know uh, collect, detect, inject, select, reject, and re-implement them in terms of inject instead of each.
3: And, Holy and crap! That's awful. <laughs> it, it is. It's,
1: it, you know, everyone is a one-liner, and and but there's like two or three ways to to do it, and I would just do it to watch and see what what people came up with. Uh-huh.
3: That's awesome, I'm so doing that now. Nice. <laughs> now, yeah. now, what Josh said there you know, about that being bad, though, if you want to learn around, and actually I've used this multiple times in teaching Ruby, and it is a major light bulb moment for the students usually. I usually have them figure out each in terms of while, and then I'll let them have each once they have it. And then I have them figure out the rest of the iterators. I show them the iterator, but I make them write it using just each. And once you've done that like a few times, you realize that they're just patterns, right? That whenever you set some variable to an empty array, then each over a set, then return the resulting array, that's map, right, or, or mm-hmm. something like that. So mm-hmm. what you you what happens is you learn that they're just patterns, and then when you're looking around in code, you see that array assignment, that each loop, and that mm-hmm. and that uh, return of the array, and you're like, oh, I can replace that with map,
0: yeah. yeah. Right. So one one other thing I want to get into here is, you know, we talk about some of the interesting things that you learn about the language or framework or library that you're using while doing one of these uh, exercises or quizzes or kata's or just, you know, goofing around with this stuff. Um, I'm wondering, too, though, if if there's if there's more value in just the practice of solving problems. Um, you know, not necessarily gaining knowledge of the system out of the quizzes and katas, but actually just the practice of going through and figuring out how to approach and tackle problems. It
3: absolutely is valuable, right? Because it's a confidence builder thing, right? I mean, well, let's face it, in the beginning, when you're first learning a language or something, that's the horrible time, right? Because how do you get good? Well, you have to have about six hundred times of the compiler telling you you're an idiot, right? And, and there's no shortcut, right? No matter how smart you are, I mean, maybe after you've picked up like ten languages, the eleventh one you you go down to only needing the compiler telling you you're an idiot four hundred times or something. You know? <laughs> still, that's it, right? It's that's the whole way you learn syntax. And mm-hmm. so when you're practicing in some other context, all those all those sessions they count, you know. Toward that limit that you're building up, you know, it it really matters. It's uh, it's the practice, the context, the working through the problems, and then when you see the real problems, you're not as, oh my god, I have no idea what to do. And you're like, ah, oh, that's just like that game I was playing with last week.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking speaking yeah. of games, uh, we did have somebody bring up board games on the, on Twitter, and and ask about how that uh, you know, how that relates to uh, programming.
4: I didn't oh. even have to pay that guy to ask. <laughs> so on on what um, <clears> on <throat> what James is saying, um, kind of riffing off that, I yeah, it's it's just incredibly important to 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 do this kind of practice. Um, and like you know the the way I think about it is, if you're like getting started as a woodworker, my grandfather was a woodworker. I used to try to you know learn some stuff from him. And when you first start out. I mean, the stuff that you, you make is terrible and, you know, you have to, you, you wind up throwing a lot of, of pieces away. Um, you know, I used to make cuts on the, on the jigsaw that were just awful and, and you could barely tell, you know, what they were. And if, you know, nobody in, in that trade, nobody says, this took me four hours to get right. It's a completely impractical th- thing to do. Or, you know, I spent all week trying to get, you know, trying to learn to, to get this, these cuts right. It's a totally inefficient thing to do and we shouldn't do it. And yet I see that. I hear that a lot in software where somebody will say something like, well, I tried TDD, but um, it took me forever to get anything done. So, you know, I tried it for a whole week. And and it took me forever to get anything done, and so you know it's just not practical. It's not efficient. You know, you're 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 wasting time if you're doing that. It's Mm -hmm. not necessarily TDD. I hear this about you know a lot of things. It might be pair programming. It might be any number of you know maybe it's it's just merciless refactoring or something. And you know, I it's it's nobody would 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 accept that in 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 any other craft because it's just expected that um, you know some of these skills. It, you know, you if you watch a master at work, they do these things and they do them really fast. you know, they do them good and they do them fast. But they do that because they've practiced over and over and over and over for a really long time. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so you can't you cannot expect, you know, if you read about some technique or some practice or some discipline, you cannot expect your your initial try at it you know your your day try or your your initial week try to be indicative of how you know how efficient that's going to be down the road
3: you know I, I want to mention one more thing before we go to the pigs I was just reading a blog post on David's blog and um, and it talks about uh, you know how he he likes fractals and every time he's played with them he get lost and then like 20 years later he. he you know, figures out how to write programs to draw them and stuff like that. Um, and that reminds me of like eternal problems, right? Programming is full of eternal problems, that problem you like run into at some age. I know I have one that, that I, I ran into at a very young age and I wanted to try and solve it and I tried and my programming skills were just not good enough and I kept trying and trying over the years and eventually I got to the point where I can solve that problem uh, but I, I still to this day hate the solutions I come up with for that problem, and so mm-hmm. I, I keep trying. And to this day, I still play with that from time to time. I haven't done it in a while, but now that I've talked about it, I probably will. But um, I sit down every once in a while and try to solve that problem. And I'm still searching for the solution I like for that problem. You know, and it's weird how it, that you can run into things like that. You know. Uh, where you try to do it one way and it's, you know, maybe you can do it or maybe it's not very good or maybe you can't even do it, but you keep working at it to try to get past it and it.
2: That's really interesting because there's a, a problem. I talked about this in Mount West RubyConf. There's a problem that I solved in Visual, well, in, in Basic um, years and years ago. And then I solved it when I moved on to Visual Basic, I solved it in that language, and then I moved on to Perl, and I solved it in Perl, and then I moved on to Python. But by this time, I had ported, or I did it in C, and then I moved on to Perl. And by the time I moved on to Python, I had solved it in a a procedural imperative way four or five times over a decade, and I could not solve it in an object-oriented way in Python. And I ended up doing it in Ruby about two years ago, and I could not do it. Uh, in an object-oriented way, so I gave up. I quit trying. And uh, as I prepared for this Mountain West talk, I th- I said, "I'm going to do this object-oriented," um, and I couldn't. And I said, "Okay, well, I'm going to ship it no matter what." And so I wrote it in this procedural fashion, and it was the most horrible Ruby code um, I've ever written. And I actually showed it off at the conference because it was—I was—I wanted to talk about the fact that you can actually refactor really, really awful code. And um, yeah, so I, I just, I just want to second, you know coming back to these problems that you, you know, you don't like your answer to them or you don't like your approach to them. Playing with things gives you new tools and new, new insights and a way to come back around to a problem from a completely different angle.
0: All right. Well, we really need to get to the picks. We've been, uh, I I think we're at an hour right now. So, um, we, we, we tend to do this right. You know, every so often it's like, okay, well by the time we're done with picks, it'll be an hour and 20 minute episode.
1: And our listeners hate it. They always complain that we go too long. Oh, yep. they
0: always complain when I cut the conversation off. <laughs> I'm sure I'm going to hear about it this okay. time too, but
1: Chuck, Chuck, let me introduce you to the concept of sarcasm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man. Okay. I must be I tired.
1: Yeah, I so so I can I can start with picks. Okay. I volunteer. I actually have one that's relevant to our interests, and this is a uh, language polyglot hello world quiz that uh, what I uh, ran into this week. A couple people were tweeting about it. And... I only got 18. Oh, but, well, you beat me. <laughs> I got I, There was some... Like, I've never done anything with C Sharp. I don't know. but the, So basically, this is a, a cute little thing on InfoWorld where they... Uh, implemented "Hello World" in twenty different languages, and the and the challenge is to recognize which language the program is implemented in. Oh wow! Yeah, and you and you get to pick from four. So that's that was a fun little thing. And some people were getting twenty, and some people I got like oh. fourteen, which
3: shows, I used C sharp because of top Coder. I used to do that. Do you guys know that? No. Topcoder is kind of neat if you're if you're into programming contests. The minus is the restriction on languages. Back when I used to do it, I, I think it was Java, C sharp, and something else. So I always had to solve them in solve them in Java. But um, uh, oh, VB, I think. But anyways, the fun part about Topcoder they give you a problem, they give you like x number of minutes to solve it, and then you solve it, and then they give you x number of minutes to go read other people's solutions, and if you can figure out the input to put into the other guy's solution that breaks it, you work <laughs> him out and you get points. <laughs> right. so, so it's you,
1: like Thunderdome.
3: Right. It is. It's wow. like you gotta try to figure out what breaks the other guy's code. It's awesome. Okay.
1: Uh, okay, so so I have I have one other little quick pick here. And that's uh, the thing that I just mentioned, my my programming challenge about doing enumerable as inject instead of each, I just threw up a gist that had the way that I wrote that in, I think, 2007. Oh, cool. <laughs> so so it says my it's my it's my five year old uh, simplistic coding style in Ruby. It's evolved a bit since then, but it's uh, definitely a good starting point for looking at how insane this idea is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice.
4: All right, Avdi, what are your picks? Um, I am going to engage in a little bit of su- shameless self promotion today. Um, good. As some listeners may know, I uh, I run a site called wideteams.com. It's a, it's a blog and a podcast where uh, it's basically just all about uh, working remotely, working in geographically dispersed teams, mostly software teams, although it's not ex- um, explicitly limited to software teams. And uh, I've been been interviewing people um, uh, on the podcast for that for a long time. But uh, for the past few months, it's kind of been on, on hiatus because I just plain ran out of time. And... Um, but now I have a, a new assistant who's been helping me out and uh, and and taking on more and more of that. So it is back up and running, and uh, a new uh, a new episode is up. And this one's actually um, particularly cool. Uh, it's an it's an interview with Joe Moore of Pivotal Labs. And Ooh. yay, it's, Joe! <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joe was I, the I first did,
1: pivot I paired with when I went to work there.
4: Oh, very cool, very cool. Yeah. So, so yeah, so uh, it's actually from a few months ago. Uh, like I said, I, it's just been I haven't had time to publish it, but uh, uh, it's all about remote pair programming because he's remote from the rest of the uh, from the rest of the pivots, and uh, but he just like the others, he spends all day, every day pairing. So uh, we basically have a have a long conversation about you know all the issues and challenges and you know tips and tricks for uh, remotely pairing. Um, so I think that might be of interest to the listeners. It is at wideteams.com. Check it out. Tell your friends. It's I, I'm going to try to get ba- get it back onto a, uh, a podcast per week uh, schedule.
1: That's great. The, the, I think cool. I think in the past I did a pick for Joe's. Uh, website about remote pair programming which is amazingly enough called remote pair programming (laughs) that's right i saw that recently yeah he's he's very good at remote pairing it's like pairing with joe remote is better than pairing with a lot of people side by side
0: (laughs) cool any other picks avdi no okay james what are your picks
3: so i've got a few this time um First of all, there's just kind of this silly uh, Twitter account that uh, Peter Cooper, I think, is running. Uh, Code Code Wisdom is the account on Twitter, Um, and it has some awesome uh, just quotes in it for uh, picking things up. I I mean, some of them are really useful, like, um, uh, you know, links to... uh, different things about C or, or stuff like that, and they are actually programming. But I think more, I just like the quotes um, in the in the thing that, like, programming is the art form that fights back, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Obviously, someone has never encountered the art form of kitten arranging.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Kittens, okay. that, those are
2: bonsai cats, right? That's
3: not cool. Yes. <laughs> uh, Bonsai Anyways, it's just kind of a fun account. It's got like a tweeted it. It's not like a big commitment or anything. Uh, so that one's awesome. Um, and then uh, I wanted to pick a couple of just classes uh, that I think are cool. Um, I haven't actually taken this one uh, by Mark Andre, but I have taken his other one. Which is uh, really h- how to build really cool uh, programming languages from scratch. Um, this one is called owning Rails, and I bring it up because it's coming up. Um, it's mm-hmm. going to be at the end of this month, and um, he basically in this one goes through and teaches you how Rails works by basically re- uh, showing you how to build rebuild Rails on a on a small scale. Of course, you know it's a two day class, so you'll just do some of it, but um, mm-hmm. But going through and and rebuilding, and that kind of playing around by the way, is another great way to learn things. It just you know uh, I, you know, I don't know about you guys, but for me, it's always I see some code, and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna change that to like three lines, and then you know, two days later, I'm still trying to figure out why I can't rewrite that code. you know um so this is a class by Mark Andre, and he's a really good teacher. and it's just like two mornings for four hours straight, and they're really intense, so uh, I think that's cool. Uh, another thing that's cool is um, I saw Mike Clark when I was at uh, RailsConf, and he told me I need to come check out his new online Ruby course, which he is right is really cool. Um, they have this online course you can take through Prague Studio. You watch these videos, and they vary in length from you know ten minutes to thirty minutes or whatever, and they cover a topic, and they're very conversational, you know, with with Mike and stuff, and. Um, uh, they they show you some stuff, and they're working on an app, and you're learning these things, and then there's these exercises that you can do, uh, you know, on the side with hints and solutions and stuff like that if you need them to uh, figure this out. And so I gave this, uh, this course to my uh, programming student and have him working through it, uh, and he's really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it, and he said he's really liked how... Uh, the, the example they're working on isn't what you're working on, like in the workbooks. You know, that it's kind of annoying when they work on something and they build all the hard parts and you're like, okay, just fill in this one line, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's actually separate stuff that you're working on in the exercises and just applying the techniques you learn, and he really liked that about it. And Even though we've been working on Ruby for a while, he said he's okay. picked up quite a few things from, from just going through this. And that the references, like whenever it would tell him to go read something in the pickaxe, he would actually go and do that, you know, and, and uh, that it really rounded out his knowledge. So anyways, uh, it's a cool way to pick up Ruby knowledge. Uh, if you're if you're at a maybe intermediate level or lower, uh, it's probably a good place to go. Those are my picks.
0: All right, cool. Um, so I'll go ahead and go next. I'm saving Dave for last and you'll okay. you'll see why in a minute um but anyway um so one of my favorite uh coding practice things that anyone did and uh David's actually going to have to provide me with the link cuz I don't know it but um basically there were a couple of guys at uh, the Urug uh that's the Utah Ruby Users Group that we all got together and uh we were talking and then later on they actually went and broke Ruby coins by patching oh. ruby Yes. Uh, so that the koans would pass
2: without changing without, without changing coons yeah, at
0: all. Yeah. Without changing the um, the tests because yeah. it's basically like you go in and you fill in the blanks on the tests. Mm-hmm. And so, but it, if,
2: you, if you monkey patch test units so that assert always returns true no matter what it's given, that will make about eighty percent of the koans pass. <laughs>
0: Right. So, um, was there a repository where people could go and
2: uh, see what you guys do? I think did? so. I think so. And if I if there isn't, I will make one exist by the time this show goes up.
0: All right. Cool. Um, I, I just I, I just thought the idea was kind of fun um, because you you uh, attack it from the other end. You know, instead of solving the problem, you change the parameters of the problem.
2: Mm-hmm. Which it's, it's the it's the Kirk maneuver for the Kobayashi Maru. Yeah.
0: Mhm. So yeah, effectively you're cheating, but it's it's an interesting exercise in in cheating intelligently, I guess. Mhm. So well, and it's
2: surprisingly hard cuz just assert true only gets you 80%. That last last 20%, there's some asserts that take blocks and you've got to figure out how to hijack that block.
0: Yeah. Did did you guys get it 100%?
2: Yeah. Yeah, we got it to 100%. All
0: right, cool. Um so the other pick that I have is, uh, is text expander. I I may have picked this before, but, uh, every time I, uh, try something new, like for example, adding people to the Ruby or the Ruby rogues parlay list. Um, when I send you that email that says that you're in, um, I actually have to send you an intro email and I can't set a default one that'll just send to everybody. So I actually put it into text expander and it fires it off. So, um, I, I really, really am happy with text expander just, just for saving me that amount of time. I don't have to reinvent the letter every time I just tell people we really appreciate you signing up, which is true. I mean, I'd be writing the same thing anyway. And so, you know, we, we get them in and, and, uh, get things going there. Um, I did, by the way, get, um, I did get the Ruby, uh, Ruby rogues parlay, thing on in the sidebar on ruby rogues.com so if you want to go sign up you can go do it there i'm going to be emailing the people who signed up for the the launch page um here within the next day or two and letting them know that they can go sign up there and then um i'll be redirecting the launch page over to a landing page so that people can see exactly what we uh what we're hoping to provide with the ruby rogues parlay but anyway
3: we'll discuss on there pretty soon uh, what book we're going to read next. So uh, definitely hop on there and you can join in the discussion and have some say in the book we read.
0: Right. Absolutely. Because right now we're reading, working with Unix processes by uh, Jesse Stormer and we're, we're going to be reviewing that within the next month. So yeah. yeah
1: and, and if you want us to ask certain questions of Jesse on the show, this is a great place to get those questions rolling and it, you know, people haven't been very good about tweeting us questions, I guess, but maybe this is a way to, to get a little more activity around that so that our our uh, conversations with the authors can be a little more directed by our listeners.
0: Yep. All right, so Dave, it's your turn.
1: Okay, so I don't actually have a pick today,
2: So, uh, but I mentioned during the show that it would be a crime for us to finish this episode without uh, giving some kind of exercise to the listeners. So
1: my uh, pick... D- David, D- David, I thought your pick was going to be the SFMTA Clipper card. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: <It's>, uh, <laughs> t- talk about a programming challenge. <laughs> we,
2: we don't have time for that rant. Oh, my gosh. Um, oh, so, gosh.
1: Sorry, so, sorry to derail you. Yeah, you
2: completely hacked my brain. That's awesome. <laughs> um, uh, oh, by the way, so, Chuck, uh, the, the Ruby Cones uh, hack thing, if you go to my blog, that's heartmindcode.com, um, and in the tag cloud, um, click on stupid. It, <laughs> there's The first post is donkey punching the Ruby koans. And um, I apologize. Um, I, I didn't realize donkey punch was, um, had another meaning that was um, off color. Um, so when I wrote this, I just thought it was a funny word. Um, it turns out it has another meaning, and I decided to just leave the egg on my face. Um
1: <laughs> <laughs> as long I'm, as it's just on your face, you're okay.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, or on the back of my head, one of the two. So, anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. Go to heartmaincode.com. Click on stupid, and the first uh, thing that comes up is donkey punching the Ruby Koans. Um If you uh, so, for my pick uh, for the listeners is I'm announcing da 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 the first ever Ruby Rogues programming challenge, um, and for this one. Uh, I'm assuming there may be more. I think it would be really cool. Here's here's the rules. Here's the rules. Um, the Ruby Rogues, um, the regular panelists, us, us five, uh, are not eligible. But we, you know, we we, we may
0: participate, to- but we don't we get awarded for winning.
2: Right. Um, in the back channel, while we were t- while we were having the this episode, Chuck and I were frantically putting together. Um, so should we have a contest? Should there be a prize? And um, so here's the contest. The contest is write something cool that fits in a single tweet. Okay. It's completely free form. It, it, is, it is Ruby golf. It should be in Ruby. Um, and it is a golfing contest, so it has to fit in 140 characters. Um, you get extra points if you have enough, if it's a coherent tweet that your, your, your followers can understand. And so uh, what that means is the Ruby code should obviously be Ruby code. Or you get extra points if you have room, if you have enough characters left over to type Ruby dash e quote and then all of your quote and then finish with a close quote, so that somebody could just copy your tweet, paste it into a bash prompt, and actually get the output of your program. Um, as an example of this on Heartmind Code, um, if you click in the tag cloud, if you click on Twitter, the first link that will come up, and this might, this will probably change. Um, because I I will be participating uh, in this, but at the time of this recording, um, there is a link that comes up in that tag cloud called Twitterable Mandelbrot. I wrote code um, to generate the Mandelbrot set on your screen in Bash, and it fits in a single tweet. And the really interesting thing was, is I got it down to like 134 characters, so it was enough to fit into a single tweet. And uh, some people that followed me came back with optimizations, and by the time it was all said and done we had code that generated the mandelbrot set in 118 characters and that's uh that's also on my blog under twiddle, twitter man, twitterable mandelbrot 2 the mandelbrottening and um, so these are two examples of ruby golf tweets so the next problem you have of course is how how do we find out about this how do, how do you submit your your uh your entry and the way you submit your entry is after you post your tweet post a link to your tweet, a link to that tweet, um, send it to at Ruby rogues. Give us a link to, uh, you know, it can be a bitly link or just a, you know, a Twitter, uh, a Tico link to your tweet and hashtag it. Uh, what should the hashtags be? Uh, rogues contest.
0: Yeah. Or rogues golf
2: or rogues golf. Uh, Okay. So the hashtag is rogues golf, all one word. Um, and I don't think Twitter cares about uh, case, so you can camel case it or you can lowercase it. So, um, so that's how you submit your entry. I will be uh, submitting a new entry for this, um, mainly because I, I wrote this about two years ago, and then I never blogged it, and so I need to write a blog about this. But I actually wrote a ray tracer that fits in a single tweet, and um, so I'll I'll be submitting this as that an example.
3: Insanely awesome. It is.
2: It is. It's a, It's. It's a fong shaded. Uh, sphere, and in bash, in, in text shaded uh, text, and um, it, I have to write a blog post about it to show you all of the shortcuts I took, like I, I used the fact that um, if you use normalized vectors then you can use the fact that you don't have to work in square space, you don't ever have to square square a number because the square of one is one. Um, and that saves you, you know, four characters uh, each time you need to square a, a number. So, um, so that's the that's that's my pick. It's uh, the Rogues Golf. Um, write some Ruby code, tweet it, and then um, have it do something cool. Uh, so, I guess the judging criteria is if it's short and it's cool, uh, we'll vote on it, and we'll give the person uh, Chuck. Uh, tell them, Chuck, what do they win?
0: <laughs> so. Um, if you are the one that we pick, then you let me know which book you want off of pragprag.com. It can be any book in oh, there, wow. in their library, any book they have. And,
3: uh, so definitely go for the most expensive one. Cause Chuck's yeah. buying. Yeah. yeah. Is, does Donald Newt have his anthology in there? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. If they have a, you know, anthology that just includes all of pragprag.com, go for that. Yep. Yep.
0: so anyway any book you want you get the electronic and paper version.
2: Hey Chuck can I uh, I'm gonna suggest a, a an additional prize. We, we should also have the winner on the show as a guest rogue.
0: Fair enough.
3: That sounds great.
2: Yeah so it can be anything you want any I mean it, as long as it runs and it does something cool it can be useful it can be useless whatever. Oh, uh, I do have one other quick pick, and that is Qlobe. That is the coolest Ruby Quine ever. So bonus points in your Ruby tweet if you can figure out how to fit a Quine into a Ruby tweet. So,
0: What was it, Qlobe?
2: Qlobe, and that's the most beautiful Quine ever written, um, and I will put a link to it in the show notes. It's mamememo.blogspot.com. Uh, um, is the guy's blog, but uh, uh, there's the link to the Qlobe. It's it... It's a quine. It's code that outputs its own source code when you run it. Um, but embedded in the middle of the source code is a globe of the Earth, and each time you run it, the globe turns. So it's actually eight <laughs> quines. It's eight quines in in one. You can you basically do Ruby and then this block of code, and it outputs the next rotation of the Earth. So you pipe that into Ruby again, and it rotates again. You pipe that into Ruby, and it runs again. It's it's amazing. Wow. That's insanely
3: awesome.
0: All right. Well, this is definitely going to be a little bit longer episode. Uh, I just want to thank everyone for sticking with us. Um, and uh, I'm trying to decide on the programming challenge. Let's say you have two weeks.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a good so, call. so anytime okay, anytime this, this within the next up.
0: two weeks. Um, yeah. Two weeks from when the, the episode is actually posted and available.
2: OK, so we'll 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 talk about the the winner um,
0: in, in about three, in, three, in weeks. two and a half,
2: two and a half yeah. weeks. OK, because we record on Wednesdays, but the shows goes up like on Friday or Saturday. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Do we want to just give them to the end of May?
0: Sure. Let's do that. OK. So you have till the end of May and uh, then we'll announce the winner in June. Fantastic. All right. Well, uh, a few other quick announcements. Um, go get the book club book. If you go to Working with Unix Processes, click on the link to Working with Unix excuse me, and uh, click on the buy link, use the code book club. You'll save $5 on the book. Um, awesome. And, uh, you know, we're, we're also working on uh, finalizing things. We're going to be talking to uh, Laurent Sancinetti about uh, Ruby Motion next week, which is the iOS wow. Ruby cool. dealio. That he released. We're also lining things up with the guys from Ruby Central, with DHH, and, of course, uh, for our book club with Jesse Stormer. So keep an ear out for those episodes. And um, other than that, I uh, go to rubyrogues.com and sign up for the Ruby Parlay over in the sidebar. And uh, we'll talk to you all next week.
1: Fantastic. Bye-bye. So long.